Hey, it was, uh, it was January the 2nd, 1990. I was a junior in college, and I was at a Campus Crusade for Christ Christmas conference in downtown Dallas, Texas. It was the first night of the conference. And before the first session, I decided, me and a few of my buddies decided to uh, walk out and head down the street, down Lamar Avenue to, uh, to that fine establishment. You remember, we're poor college students. We went to Burger King. You know, Whopper with cheese just sounded like the, like the ticket. And so uh, we were heading out the door of the hotel to go grab dinner before the first session of that conference. And I ran into some friends from another campus, another college. And uh, I told my buddies, y'all go ahead, I'll catch up. And so I stopped, I visited with my friends for a little bit. And then, uh, and then, as I, and then I ran down Lamar Avenue uh, towards the Burger King at the bus station, actually, where the restaurant was. And as I got to the bus station, or to the, to the Burger King, same place, um, I reached up to grab the door. And the next 10 seconds changed my life. The next 10, next 10 seconds were a defining moment for Mike Evans's world. Because as I reached for that door, the door was closed and I felt someone push me from behind and then hit me from the side of the head. I turned around and I was struck just full on right in the face. And for that next few, few seconds, I was beaten severely physically by those guys out in front of that restaurant. And to make a long story short, I survived the assault, of course. Here I am. But the entire left side of my face was crushed. Like your eye sits on what's called an orbital floor. It was crushed like an egg. Um, right here is what's called your zygomatic arch. It was, it was completely pounded into my sinus, which broke my sinus. It was bad. I was in bad news. My nose, bad, my nose was broken. It was, it was a terrible, terrible physical situation. It took two months, it took three surgeries uh, over the next five years to repair the damage. It took two months for the double vision I had um, because of the injuries uh, to settle down where I could see, um, see single vision. I, did, I had a Nick Fury patch for about two months on my eye. If you don't know what that is, ask your kids, parents, ask your kids, they'll tell you. Um, so anyway, but I, and to this day, I still have numbness, kind of an upside down triangle on the left side of my face. And some of you are looking at each other and go, oh, that's what's happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to be good looking. I thought about bringing some before and after pics, but uh, no one needs to see that. So anyway, but the issue that I grappled big time with as a result of that assault that happened to me, it's the same issue that we're going to talk about today. It's the issue of forgiveness, and we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 18 that hits this issue full on, right in the face, hits it really hard, and where Jesus basically says in this passage, you've been shown much mercy in your life, and because you've been shown much mercy, you need to show that same kind of mercy when you're offended. This parable is called the parable of the unmerciful servant. So whether you're here this morning in the room or you're watching online today, I want to invite you to open your worship guide or fire up your Journey Church International app and turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 18, where we'll pick up the story starting in verse 21 as we continue in our series we're calling the Parables of Jesus. We're in week eight of that series. And as you're turning to Matthew 18, let's start where we've been starting every week by defining what a parable is. If you haven't heard, learned anything from this series, then you've learned this, that the word parable comes from the Greek word parabolo. It means to throw or lay or place alongside for the purpose of comparison. A parable is an earthly story that's revealed to have a spiritual meaning for those who will seek out the deeper meanings of it. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to mine into this this text of scripture, and we're going to extract some practical spiritual meanings that will help us to become a more forgiving people. 
But as we talk about this issue of forgiveness today, I wanna recognize something in the room. And that's this, that forgiveness is hard. Like this is kind of varsity Christianity stuff we're gonna talk about here this morning. And because of that, and because of the fact that we're about to open God's word together, let's, let's just take a breath for a second. And let's ask for God's help as we tackle head on this very important issue and ask God to help us. So will you pray with me? Bow your heads and pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege is to live in a country where we can open your word and we can learn from it and grow from what you teach us through it. God, I pray that you would show us through this passage in Matthew chapter 18, how to treat others like the distant king and not the unmerciful servant. Help us for this is tough stuff we're looking at today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. It says, then Peter came to Jesus. Peter's one of Jesus' closest disciples, his friends, and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some versions say 70 times, seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, that's a lot of gold, y'all, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, of course, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master, check this out, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Don't do this at home, kids. Anyway, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. And here's the toughest verse of the scripture of this passage. He says, this is how, Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Two goals of today's message, really, to discover the, what I call the two dimensions of forgiveness. That number one, we've been forgiven much. And because we've been forgiven much by God, we should forgive others much. And there's a bonus goal of this message as well, that through the lens of the two dimensions of forgiveness, to understand the why and the how to practically forgive people. And at the end of this message, towards the end of it, I'm going to walk you through a process, which I think if you do it, will be life-changing for you. I know it has been for me. So let's learn how to do this by looking deeper into this parable. We answered, all this whole series, we've been answering two questions. Number one, what's the parable? Number two, what's the point? This parable, so question number one, what's the parable? Well, this parable lays out two things side by side to compare them to each other. Number one, it lays out the generous forgiveness modeled by a gracious king. 
The king in this story forgives a huge debt that's owed to him, modeling something that's really important for us to learn today. And then second, right alongside it, the lack of forgiveness returned by an unmerciful servant who unfortunately gets the title of this parable. Like I wish it would be called the parable of the gracious king because he's like the star, but it gets the unmerciful servant, so that's the one we're stuck with. So let's, but let's dig into this issue of forgiveness. Back in Jesus' day, the teaching about forgiveness by the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of that day, was basically this. And I, I think it'll make some sense to us as we sit here and learn uh, from, the, from the text. It says, basically, the, 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 the law of the land was this, from the Pharisees. When someone is offended or hurt by another person, the first time, we forgive them. Good. When someone's offended the second time, we'll forgive again. When someone's offended a third time, the Pharisees taught, you forgive a third time. But when it hits that fourth time, that's it. That's where the math ends. Forgiveness is no longer granted to someone, someone who offends. And it makes sense if you think about it on the surface. I mean, have you ever heard that get me once, it's your fault, get me twice, it's my fault? Yeah, that's kind of Pharisee math. That's the kind of way it works. And, and then, but, then, um, but then we read the text here and we realize that Jesus's way is a little bit different. You know, I have a son who on occasion... Um, has given me, as his father, tremendous opportunities to practice and show forgiveness. Maybe you have one too. When Andy was 16, um, he had practiced a lot and he got his driver's license and he assured me, hey dad, I got this. I'm totally responsible. I've worked hard. I've earned the money to buy your car. So he bought my baby. I had bought a 2002 Honda Civic many years prior to that, and I sold my baby to my son. How many of you know this isn't going to end well? Yes. So I sold my baby car to my son. So about a month after Andy got his license, I got a call from Andy, saw it on my phone, answered the phone. Hello, dad, you're not going to believe this. Lay it on me, brother. What am I not going to believe? He said, I got trapped on Ward Road. I go, well, what do you mean you got trapped on Ward Road? He goes, I was, driving, I was just driving down the road, going with the flow of traffic, and I got trapped. I go, well, how fast were you going? He's like 62. At least that's what the officer said. <laughs> I said <laughs> and he goes, and dad, really, I was just going with the traffic. It wasn't my fault. Right, it wasn't my fault. I was like, yeah, it was. Insurance is still okay. First offense, teenage boy. Okay, fine. It's about a month later, a little less than a month later, Get another call. Dad, you're not gonna believe it. That's right. You're with me. Good. This time he says this. He says, Dad, I don't know what this officer's thinking. He pulled me over because he said I ran through a stop sign. Everybody runs through stop signs, Dad. Meanwhile, my insurance rate is going up and up and up. Then, and this really happened. I have my daughters here. She could, she could vouch for this. It really happened. About a month later, I got a phone call. Dad, you're not going to believe what happened. And I was like, what? He goes, well, I was up, at, up in Winterset going to visit my buddy Tanner. And all I did, all I did, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. All I did was reach down to change the station on the radio. I didn't know there was a median in the middle of the road. He go, I go, did you hit the median? And he said, yes. So question number one, are you okay? Yes. Is my car Okay. Not so much, Dad. I don't think it's going to go very well for your car. In fact, Dad, I think I totaled your car. I'm going to total you. 
That's what I wanted to do. After three, three months, two tickets and a totaled car. Right. I had the opportunity to practice and show forgiveness. And he didn't drive for a while now. But of course, he had the opportunity to go out of the car. For Guys, forgiveness is hard. Maybe you're here this morning and, um, and you're in a business relationship or you've been in a business relationship with somebody where you got cheated or trust has been broken professionally, and maybe you were promised something, and then they overpromised, but they underdelivered, and and you were or you were undercut by someone, and you were left high and dry. I've seen this more times than I can count in people's professional relationships, where a, where two partners or a business owner and a customer get sideways, and and because it gets sideways, and they don't deal with it biblically the way God would want us to. That, that anger goes to seed and it creates, and Pastor Ryan taught this a while back, uh, it becomes a foothold in your life. And if you don't deal with that foothold, Satan will allow it to become a stronghold in your life and it will destroy professional relationships. Now, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands here this morning, but if I did, I bet I'd get some hands up in the air if I asked you this question. How many of you have seen this happen in your own life? in a professional relationship that got sideways and all of a sudden it was toxic and then it got ugly. Or maybe let's get a little more personal here today. Maybe you've been involved in a personal relationship, maybe a marriage that ended, maybe a relationship with a kid or a parent or a friend and, and a, a conflict arose and instead of trying to build a bridge, a wall went up and, and, uh, and, as, and, and instead of turning towards each other, so that you guys could like reconcile, you turned away from each other and walls were built where bridges were meant to be. So many times we build walls where the Lord wants us to build bridges and rather than working towards reconciliation in relationships, a foothold of a grudge becomes a stronghold of unforgiveness and bitterness and it becomes like, um, and, and we start drinking that poison that we call unforgiveness because it tastes good to have control, doesn't it? We start drinking that poison of unforgiveness hoping somehow that it's gonna hurt the other person when it's, only, when it's actually you whose heart is growing darker and colder the longer you don't deal biblically with unforgiveness. So we've got the math of the Pharisees. It's three times forgiveness. Peter asked for seven. Jesus said, no, it's this kind of forgiveness. Jesus puts no limits on forgiveness. And this is the other hand of it. Jesus puts no limits on forgiveness. His forgiveness of us is limitless. Jesus said to forgive 70 times seven. And it wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't something to do if it only feels right or if it serves our purpose as well. No, it's a command from Jesus to forgive. We should always forgive when offended. There should be no limits on our forgiveness. We should forgive freely against our offender. We should forgive perfectly and completely without reservation or strings. And even as I say that to you guys today, even as I share that, that we should forgive freely and unequivocally, it almost sounds, I don't want to say ridiculous, but it sounds crazy, doesn't it? Like, because this is not easy, is it? This is, this is like, I would call it varsity Christianity right here. This is what sets us apart as followers of Jesus is the ability to do that. We live in a world that's bombastic, you guys, that's angry, that's unforgiving with the, the world we live in. It's the soundbite-driven culture where we pick sides so quickly and so angrily today. How do we live as Christians, as followers of Jesus? Because we want to be like Jesus, right? That's a core value of our church is that we want to become more like Jesus every day. How do we adopt a new way of relating to people related not in becoming a law-giving Pharisee, but in a, being like the, uh, like the gracious king in the story? 
What does it even look like? Well, thankfully, Jesus helps us with that. Jesus is gonna help us through this parable. So let's look more closely at the parable. Let the scripture teach today. Um, Every week, we've been um, doing these things we call parable parallels. And this week, we have four parable parallels of things we learn from the heart of God from this passage that'll help us understand how we have been forgiven and how that's played out and how we forgive others. The first parallel is this, is that we have, been, we have an unpayable forgiveness debt that we owe God. In the parable, the first servant we read about there, he owes this king huge. In fact, in our currency, that 10,000 bags of gold we read about, that would be the equivalent of at least $16 million in today's money. So this was a huge debt. And the custom of that day to repay a debt like this was that the servant along with his wife and kids, if they couldn't pay the debt back, would be sold into slavery where he and his family would work that debt off until the debt would be repaid. Well, in this instance, of course, this is an unpayable debt. It's a life sentence that this, um, that this guy was living under. And friends, we have an unpayable debt that we owe God. We have an unpayable debt that we owe God. Now, as you hear that, you think, what, wait, I have an unpayable debt. What do you mean by that, Mike? I mean, I'm a good person. I, I don't hurt people. I'm, a, I'm even here in church this morning. I'm trying to do the right thing. What do you mean I have an unpayable debt that I owe God? Well, the scripture teaches that all of us have that debt, it's, that no one is exempt from it. King David in Psalm 51 wrote it this way. He said, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me in Psalm 51. Like the servant, first servant in the story, our sin debt that we owe God is unpayable. And we stand together this morning, whether you're in this room right now or watching online, we stand together in need of a miracle. We stand in need together of a Jesus-sized miracle. Aren't you glad that when Jesus went to the cross, he paid our unpayable debt? That's the first parable parallel, that, that we have an unpayable forgiveness debt that we owe God, that only Jesus could pay. The second parable parallel is this, how quick we forgive others, reflects how much we understand God's forgiveness in our own lives. In the story, we remember the first servant and how he treated the second servant who owed him a hundred days pay or a hundred denarii and that was the currency of that day. And the second servant, did you notice it? He used the same words towards the first servant that that first servant used towards the king when he said, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But instead of granting the, the same kind of mercy that that first servant had received from the king, He choked the guy. He demanded repayment right then. And in verse 30, it says he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Did the first servant understand real forgiveness? No, not even close. How do we know that? Because if he had, surely a guy who had just been forgiven a debt of over $16 million in our currency wouldn't have any trouble finding it in his heart to forgive a debt equaling about three months pay to another poor laborer, which begs the question to you and me here today who are doing our best to walk well with Jesus. How do we know if we are living with a clear understanding of God's forgiveness and grace in our lives? How do you know you're doing it right? How do you know you're walking with God in this area? Well, let me give you a little test, a little little heart check test. When you're offended, what happens to your heart? When your expectations by someone are met, aren't met, when they're driving too slow, when, they're, when you're running late, when they didn't clean their room, when that person hurt your feelings, when you fill in the blank, 
When your expectations aren't met, what happens in your heart? When someone else's mistake has a huge impact on your life and messes up your plan and your agenda, what happens in your heart? Do you react in anger or do you respond with grace? I think that better than any question will tell you the condition of your heart in this area. And it's critically important for us to understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, who has forgiven us much, that his plan and his will for us is that we would be forgiving responders, not angry reactors. Here's another huge parallel we learn from this story. It's our third parallel. People are watching to see how we respond when we're hurt. Look with me again at verse 31. It says this, it says, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. There's always a tattletale, isn't there? Isn't there always a narc? You know, someone's there to tell on you when you do something wrong. But remember, that's, that first servant He needed to show some grace here. He had just been forgiven a huge debt and he was being watched by everybody when he went to that second servant who owed him 100 days pay, which is a significant debt, but still he'd been forgiven for way more than that. And what I think is the key verse in this whole passage is said here by by the king from Jesus here in verse 33. When he writes this, he says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had? on you? Like, have you ever been busted? (laughs) Like, where you're just kind of nailed? I think this first servant was nailed in this sentence. Shouldn't you have had mercy like I just had on you? Because the answer was, yes, he should have, but the reality is, no, he didn't. And he was turned over to his jailers to be tortured until his whole debt was repaid. See, guys, when we're hurt or we're offended or our expectations aren't met, that's when the world kind of goes and looks at you. Jesus said, what credit is it to you that you love people who love you back? That's easy. It's easy for me to love people who love me back. What sets us apart is is when we're not loved back, do we go, wow, Jesus, you've forgiven me so much. Help me supernaturally to forgive that person who hurt me. That's what sets us apart as followers of Jesus. In our flesh, we want to make them pay but that's not Jesus' way. I remember after my assault and those first two surgeries, about a month after I got, um, started healing from the surgeries, I was still a mess, but I went back to, I went back to school, back to Baylor, sick and bears, and uh, I was at a Campus Crusade for Christ meeting. And uh, one of my buddies, John, was there too. He'd also been at the conference, and, um, and so he knew what had happened to me, but I was still a mess. I mean, my face, I had, my face was huge, and uh, I still had my Nick Fury patch on because my eyes hadn't lined up yet. And he walked up to me after the meeting, And he was visibly shaking when he saw me. And he said, man, Mike, I don't know what I would have done had that happened to me. And he was furious. Like the kind of furious to where like if he would have had a weapon and those guys would have been in the same room who assaulted me, he'd have used it on them. And I remember like thinking to myself and then saying to John, right after this happened, I said, bro, Back in that day, we called our Christian friends bro. I don't know why, but we did. Thank God we don't anymore. Except Ryan Holt always calls me bro, but that's okay. He can because he's my buddy. Bro, I don't know why this happened to me, but I do know this. It doesn't, wouldn't do, doesn't do me any good and it wouldn't do you any good to be mad at them anyway. I'm never gonna meet those guys. So you need to forgive them. And I know it's hard, but you need to forgive them for what they did to me. And I remember John just, as I said that, he just shook his head. 
He just shook his head. I think mainly because I was really messed up and he felt bad for me. But I think about that conversation I had with him. And it reminds me of the truth that people are watching us. People are watching us as followers of Jesus. And are you going to respond differently when injustice happens to you than the world does when injustice happens to it? Because I'm telling you, the world is watching us as followers of Jesus. Are we different? Are you different? Are you different in the way you do business? Are you different in the way you do relationships? It's such a natural response to to want to make them pay, isn't it? Such a natural response to, to not forgive and to hold on to that grudge. But that grudge becomes a foothold and that foothold becomes a stronghold and Satan will destroy you if you allow unforgiveness to go to seed in your heart. This is the opportunity to show the world the difference Jesus has made in your life. That leads us to our fourth parable, parallel. Because God has forgiven us all of our sins, we should not withhold forgiveness from others. Paul writes in the letter he wrote to the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter two, verses 13 and 14, he says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. That's the bad news. (laughs) You were dead. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Question, how many of your sins were in the future when Jesus died on the cross? All of them, every single one of them, past, present, and future. All of your sins were future to Jesus when he died on the cross. And if you can internalize that truth, if you can like let that kind of take root in your heart, that God demonstrated his love towards you and that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. If you can let that just go to seed in your life and in your heart, that's called the gospel, by the way, that your sins are forgiven. You will understand that that's the best news in the world. And because you have been forgiven by the grace of Jesus when he died on that cross for your sins and rose from the dead, proving he had the ability to do it, you show the world If you can really understand that, you have the ability in you supernaturally to show the world what grace is like. Let me say it this way. The way we forgive others shows God and the world if we understand how much we've been forgiven. The way we forgive others shows God and the world if we understand how much we have been forgiven. Maybe this morning, we need to just be reminded by this parable that Jesus told just how much we've been forgiven. Our debt, it's not $16 million dollars. Our debt is our sin. And if we don't allow Jesus to pay for our sin through the cross, we'll spend eternity separated from God. And that's not God's desire for any of us. The scripture teaches that he is willing that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. He teaches in 1 Timothy 2 that this is good and pleases God our Savior, um, that he wants all men to be saved, all people to be saved, and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's God's dream and God's desire for you and for me. And as we appropriate, as we, um, as we understand and live out the forgiveness of Jesus in our life, it frees us up to be able to forgive others, to show the world the difference Jesus makes in us. Let me show you the four parable parallels just as by way of review. Number one, we have an unpayable forgiveness debt that we owe God. Number two, how quick we forgive others reflects how much we understand God's forgiveness in our own lives. You see the link? You see the connection? People, number three, people are watching to see how we respond when we're hurt. Number four, because God has forgiven us all our sins, all our sins, we should not withhold forgiveness 
from others. So that's the parable. What's the point? Well, here's the point of the parable. Number one, and this may be worth the whole message for you. Forgiving others is the key to being set free yourself. The old professor from Fuller Seminary, Lewis Smedes, is credited with this amazing statement, maybe the key to the whole message this morning. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that prisoner was you. In the parable, it was the first servant whose unforgiveness, whose unwillingness to forgive the debt owed to him that came back to bite him and came back to and landed him in prison because he didn't allow unforgiveness to set, he didn't allow forgiveness to set him free. Today, after you leave, hear this in a few minutes when we let you go, you're gonna go have lunch, right? Whether it's at home or at a restaurant, but when you get home, whenever it is you get home, if you're like me, you'll take a key out of your pocket and you'll walk to your front door and you'll unlock the door and you'll walk into your house. If you wanna unlock freedom in your relationship with Jesus and with others, this is the key. Understanding how much you've been forgiven by Jesus so that you can be free to forgive others. That's the beauty of the gospel. We've been forgiven so that we can forgive. Point number two, the world will see the difference Jesus has made in your life as you forgive others when you're offended. They'll look at you funny because that's not the world's way, is it? They'll look at you like my buddy John looked at me when I told him he needed to let it go and forgive the people who hurt me. He looked at me and he said, Mike, that's not a natural reaction. And I'm like, you're right. That's not a natural reaction. In my flesh, in my desire, I want to make them pay. I want to hurt them like they hurt me. It's, the natural reaction would be to hurt those who hurt you. But when we react supernaturally, when we react as Jesus can strengthen us to react, we say something like this, you're right. I can't forgive them on my own. And it takes all of God's help to give me the strength to forgive. It's not easy. But in some days it creeps back and I have to kind of replay the movie in my own heart and re-experience the forgiveness of the people that did this to me like Jesus forgave me. But if you want to walk free, learn to give others the grace that God has so freely given to you. Point number three. This is a hard one. There are consequences if we don't choose to forgive others. Verse 34 is easy. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. But this, whoo, hear what what Jesus says here. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from the heart. Some of you are like reading this in the Bible and you kind of go, is that really in the Bible? Yeah, it's right there. You know why Jesus says this? Because he's not messing around with forgiveness. He's saying pretty clearly that the world needs to see that his followers are different. We are are a peculiar people. We are a different people. We are a set-apart people. But that set-apartness should attract others to Jesus because of the way we live our lives. It's a way rooted in grace and a way rooted in forgiveness. I I talk more about, um, I would like to introduce in my last couple minutes here, I'm gonna introduce you guys to a process of how you can practically forgive somebody else who's hurt or offended you. And as I, as I, uh, before I do that, I just want to say this, that uh, I talk more and I go deeper into this process in the Activate podcast where Pastor Brandon Reeve and I, um, we had some fun together. We role-played something that I thought was kind of cool. Um, he basically acted like he had hurt me or offended me. And then I had to kind of walk him through how I would forgive him in the podcast. We had some fun with it. I would encourage you guys to, to listen to it if you have some time this week. 
But the bottom line is this, that God wants to set you free from drinking the bitterness poison that unforgiveness builds into our lives. And he wants us to do it this way. I'm gonna share with you two dimensions of forgiving someone. And the first one has nothing to do really with your offender at all. First dimension of forgiveness is this. Before talking to your offender, talk to God first. Have a conversation with God. In fact, this conversation might be longer than the conversation you actually have with your offender. And say this first. Say, God, I've been hurt. So often we minimize that. We just want to get right to the forgiveness part and not name and own the fact that we've been hurt. And to, and to be honest with God about that. And if you don't think the scriptures have, give you permission to do that, all you need to do is go to the Psalms and read the Psalms that David, that David pens. He's mad at God a lot. He's upset with his life. He's upset with the circumstances of his life. And if you think you need to sit in your you know, chair and hold, fold your hands and you know, close your eyes and whisper to God, you don't have to do that either. I mean, maybe find an alone place to do this, but if you read the scripture, see this. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was saying, Father, take this cup for me. I don't want to go through this. Do you think Jesus was whispering with his hands closed? No, I think Jesus' fists were clenched. His hands were in the air and saying, Father, I don't want to do this. And God just says, you know, I know you don't want to do this, Jesus, but I'll give you that. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. We don't want to forgive people. We want to do what's natural. But that's not who we are, you guys. We are a, we are, we are a people who have a supernatural God who will give us the strength to forgive. So say, God, I've been hurt, which usually leads me to admit this. God, I'm reminded of how much my sin has hurt you. You see, perspective comes when we recognize that, yes, we've been hurt. Yes, we've been offended by the other person or group, but it was our sin too that put Jesus on the cross. Like perspective happens when we realize that we're no more righteous than our offender, but by what Jesus did for us. Number three, God, help me to forgive as you've forgiven me. Remember Colossians 2? How many of your sins were in the future when, you, when, uh, when Jesus died? All of them. He paid the price for your sin and mine. What right do we have to make other people pay for what Jesus already paid for? What right do we have to make other people pay for what Jesus already paid for? Then say this, Holy Spirit, I choose. Not I want, not I get, not it will make me feel happy if I choose to forgive them. Forgiveness is a choice, but it's also the road to freedom. It's a narrow road, but it's the road to freedom. And it's an unbelievable testimony to the world of the impact Jesus can make on a life. Then, once you've kind of gotten, had that conversation with God, then, and this is the second dimension of forgiveness, have a conversation with them. Maybe say this first, I care enough about you to have this conversation. Some of you may need to like take a picture of this in your notes or um, copy it down or whatever for that time today or sometime in the future when you have to have this conversation with someone. But say this first, I care enough about you to have this conversation. I'm not here to accuse you. I'm not here to condemn you. I just wanna help you understand. Number one, here's how I've been hurt by what you did. And be specific. This specific thing you said, this specific thing you did, this hurt me. And then number two, here's how it made me feel. Here's what it did to my heart. Let them see what their sin, I do this with my kids a lot. I do this with um, people I know a lot who've hurt me. Let them see what their sin did to your heart and to your mind. The consequences that you've had to endure because of their choice. And then number three, say these words, I choose with God's help to forgive you. I choose with God's help to forgive you. And then appropriate that as you 
And if, if it's appropriate, you can pray together. If, they, if, the, if, if rather than a wall being built, a bridge is being built, it's always a beautiful thing to pray with them and to thank God for the picture of the gospel that happens when two people who are separate come together. Because that's what happens every time we reconcile with someone. It's a model of the reconciliation that we have with God through Jesus. Sometimes it doesn't go well, I know that. Sometimes a wall stays up. Sometimes the wall gets worse. If that's the case, let me share with you a passage of scripture that might help you. Romans 12, 18 says this, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, you can't control how other people are gonna react or respond to you, can you? We want to, we'd like for that to be the case, but that's not how the world works, is it? And that's why Paul writes in Romans, as far as it depends on you, do what you can to bring reconciliation to the relationship but you can't control them. Take the initiative and leave the results to God. Funny thing, I never met the guys who attacked me. But if I did, if I had the opportunity to be sitting in a room and they were to approach me and say, hey, we, ne- we didn't realize it was you that we hurt, but now we know and we'd like to talk to you. This is what I would say to them. And trust me, I've had a lot of years to practice what I would say to these guys. <laughs> I tell them how what they did hurt me. That for years, I've had to physically and emotionally deal with being assaulted. One time I was asked to be on a jury duty and they asked me the question, have you been assaulted? And I said, yes, I have. And they excused me and I thought, there it is again. But then I'd say their names. I'd call them out by name. And I'd say this, man, I chose a long time to forgive you. I hope you can experience the forgiveness of Jesus in your life if you haven't already. You see, I believe we're no more like Jesus than we are when we forgive someone else because it's a picture of the gospel. Again, this is hard stuff, I know. There's a lot of people in this room have been really hurt and to be honest, have probably hurt others. This is hard stuff and we need God's help to apply this message. So let's go to God in prayer as we close and ask him for help. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who died so that we might live to give us the life that is truly life. God, I thank you that you forgave us all our sins. You canceled them, nailing them to the cross on your son. God, I pray for the boy, the girl, the man, the woman here in this room, maybe multitudes of them, who they've never experienced the grace of God because they've never experienced forgiveness of sin. God, in the silence of this place, in the safety of this moment, would you lead them to admit to you what so many of us already have, that we are all sinners in need of a savior, that it was our sin that nailed you to the cross. Would you lead them to say, God, forgive me for my sin? Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Help me to be a follower of Jesus and not a follower of me. Lord, I know also that there are people in this room who need to forgive someone else who's offended them and that bitterness that they are experiencing even right now, that seed inside of them, if they were to be honest with you, that seed has become a foothold that's become a stronghold and it is 
a controlling thing in their life, God, help them to forgive and to experience your forgiveness in that process. God, we, need, we want to be a church full of people who live like the forgiving king and not the unmerciful servant because the world is watching us. It is focused on the Christians saying, are you going to be any different in the world? I thank you that we can celebrate the difference, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything that you did when you forgave us for our sin to give us the opportunity not only to experience eternity with you when we die, but you've given us the freedom to forgive others when they hurt us. God, we are no more like you than we are when we forgive people that don't deserve it because you forgave us when we didn't deserve it. Help us, God, in all of this to live supernaturally. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.